Welcome to the 17th episode of the Two in the Authors podcast. That's with me, David B. Lyons. And me, Robert Enright. And on today's show, David, we have well-renowned fiction editor Emma Mitchell from Creating Perfection joining us on the podcast to discuss the editing process. Um, as everyone know, Emma is my editor. Um, I champion her quite a lot, so I think it's going to be a really fascinating um, discussion and a must-listen to, I think, for any independent author who's um, going through the editing process. As always, we'll be answering a question um, in our mailbag, um, a very interesting one this week, sent in from our listeners about Amazon attribution links. And dark crime thriller author Stephanie Roger will be joining us later in the show to answer our seven questions. Before that, though, we will begin, as we always do, by discussing the week that was, David. But before that, uh-huh. can I hit you with some stats? Yes, please. The Two Indie Authors podcast has now been listened to in 29 different countries. Ooh. Which means we're going global, baby. Going global. Oh, well, that's mad. So you can get all those stats in the back end of Acast, which is where we record this yes. podcast through. Oh, nice. I tell you what, me and you have yeah. to hook up for a lunch and, and you'll show me through um, how that all works and what it looks like. I'd love to see who's listening and, and where they're listening from. But that's interesting. Yeah. And it's mad because we've had a lot of guests from different continents, haven't we, over the past few weeks uh, answering we our seven indeed. questions. So, yeah, we are going global. Uh, thank you to all the listeners out there. Thanks very much. We really, really appreciate it. We do indeed. Um, but, David, how's your week been? Yeah, I am quite positive. I've had um, a, a really good start to the year. What are we, about six weeks into the year now? Five working weeks, mm. probably. Um, do you know what I did this week? <clears throat> and I don't do this. Once I publish a book, I never go back over it because, you know, just out of fear of, you know, oh, I'd love to change that sentence. Oh, I could have structured this a little bit better. Oh, I could have described that scene better. Well, it's, um, it's what we said last week, wasn't it? There, there has to come a point. There has to come a point where you, that's that's done. Yeah, where you let your birdie fly. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I now, as I have revealed to our listeners, doing a sequel novella to one of my books, whatever happened to Betsy Blake. So I've been spending a lot of this week reading whatever happened to Betsy Blake, and squirming at oh, I could have done that better. Oh, I wish I could rewrite but, this. But when did you when did you publish Betsy Blake? So three, four years ago now? Four years ago, yeah. So think of how much you've come on as a writer since Yeah, so. I have. Yeah, when, I was just thinking that as I was reading it, thinking, oh my God, I have mm. got better, better at this. And at that time, I had been lecturing and creative writing for nearly 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, well, I, do you know what? It's more my style has changed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Rather than um, anything technical. But, um, yeah, it's evolved. It's evolved, yes, it has indeed. And I can see that literally from the page. So, yeah, I've been reading over Betsy as I prepare to start writing this um, sequel novella, which uh, I got some words down on the page this week. So, um, I mean, th- this one is for my readers, really, because I feel like I've deviated from them in some way. 
and it's just for those guys who really reach out to me by email and, and through my Facebook page, which is quite um, active. I just feel I owe this to them. Uh, so that'll be coming out. That, that'll probably take a month to write. It's about, going to be about 20,000 words or so, and I'll get that out hopefully in March sometime. So, yeah, just a lot of research this week in, in order to to begin that novella. That, that's mm. been the bulk of my week. What have you been doing over the past seven days? Um, so, as you know, well, as you know, David, because we work on this podcast together, I've been working on some marketing material um, for us to spread the word mm-hmm. of the podcast. So um, I did a little bit of that. Um, a couple of things that kind of segue nicely with you, actually. Um, I've been ramping up my social media interaction. I think oh, that's great. something I never really gave a lot of effort to yeah when i was working full time there was things that i thought were worth my time more like writing and getting good at the marketing which i think in the long you know shown to be the correct route yeah now i'm i think i'm almost interacting with my facebook page and group on a daily basis yes um and it's now starting to like everything i put everything i used to post would get a couple of likes now it's like getting like 40 50 likes which doesn't sound mad and you shouldn't go around chasing um likes i don't i don't buy into that but what i take from it is it's that kind of build cultivating like a readership and getting people more involved in all things to do with my book so one of the things i did um i've had people over the years pitch who they would cast as sam pope oh uh, yeah if it was a film so i took some of the biggest yeah, so um, I took some of the biggest names, and you can check it out on my Instagram. Great. I created a post saying casting call Sam Pope, and I got six headshots of the actors. Oh, right. Um, did them all black and white so it looked thing, and then I just put, who would you cast as Sam Pope? And the conversation off of the back of that has been hilarious. Oh, brilliant. Um, uh, I got told off because one of the one of the um, pitches was Jamie Dornan. Yeah. Um, and someone asked on the post, obviously, um, from record, are these all British actors? Because he's he's English, Sam Pope. And I was like, yeah. And then someone's like, Jamie Dornan's not English. He's Irish. And I was like, oh, God, sorry. <laughs> oh, you need to be careful about that. But Jamie Dornan is both. He's British and Irish because if you're from yeah. Northern Ireland, which is where Jamie is from, you can hold any passport you want, British or Irish. So that person's oh, right. Date. David B lines coming in with the logic there. So yeah, so I've been um I've been doing I've been doing things like that this week. Um and also I had a really nice catch up with Claire C Riley oh, who was on the show before. Friend of the show, yeah. Friend of the show Claire C Riley. Um so yeah, it was nice to to speak with her. Um writing wise, I'm now on chapter 5 of the new Sam Pope book, so I wanted to start writing this week. So I've sat down, I've put some words to the page. Um great which is really good. I'm in that that moment I think I've discussed before where I find the first eight to ten chapters a little bit tricky because right. it's a lot of place setting and a lot of introduction of characters and that involves a lot more research than, you know, bang, bang, dead, bang, bang, yeah. bosh, bosh, which, you know, comes in the from chapter ten onwards pretty much. Yeah. Um, but I settled on a title, which is good. Days Gone By, I think it's a pretty cool oh, good action title. title. Yeah. Um. And just interestingly enough, I had a book bub on my first in the Bermuda Jones series, which I'm looking to resuscitate this year. Doorways. Doorways, yes. Oh, great. Oh, you got a book bub for that. Is that a free book bub or a 99? No, I got, I got a 99p international one, uh, which was really good. Um, so that was on Tuesday. It's covered its cost, um, which is 
better than I expected it to do. Yeah. Um, however, uh, I am intrigued. I've got to do what you've done. I've got to go back and read them soon. Oh, right, because you've gone back onto them, aren't you? Yeah, yeah one and two, because I'm releasing number three this year. And that was five years ago that I've written them. And you can imagine how different my writing is now. So I've, I'm probably going to be in a... I feel like you squirming in my seat yeah. when I read it. Yeah, um, because of your evolution. So um, that's quite a diverse last week for you. Uh, let let mm. me ask you this. Um, how much of the book will cost you? Am I right in saying that was about 700 sterling? Well, no. So this one isn't in like thriller this one was in i think like urban fantasy or fantasy oh, and paranormal right. and so slightly different genre um it's got a smaller mailing list so i think bookbub price their costs of their bookbub deals based on the number of subscribers yes. to that list mm-hmm. um so i think this one cost me about 400 pounds sterling 400 around pounds. that mark right and, it's... and i think i'm in and i'm in and around like 380 off the book in terms of income so from it yeah well it's read through yeah. is what a book was for really isn't it exactly yeah. so um so yeah so again another step on the road to trying to resuscitate a five-year-old series so i'll keep documenting it and you know if i manage to do it this year uh i'll reveal all to our listeners all the steps i did because i'm pretty sure there's probably some um authors out there who are sitting on books that they just don't think could sell yeah it, so that would be a great model for for people to follow yeah so rob you keep uh, documenting that on the podcast week on week if you can Right, so David, today's talking point I'm very excited about is because we are joined on the podcast by a woman who I have spoken about numerous times across the episodes and who has had a massive, massive part to play in my books, and that is my incredible editor, Emma Mitchell. So, Emma, hello. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me, guys. Not at all. Welcome to the show, Emma, and really looking forward to this conversation. Me yeah, too. I, I think our listeners will get so much out of this, Emma. Um, but as much as I, I uh, talk about you on the podcast, I think it's best to come from you. Why don't you like to introduce yourself to our listeners and uh, just a, an overview of your editing career? Okay, so my editing career started about eight years ago after I won a little bit of money on the Irish lottery. Told mm. my husband, I'm not going into work tomorrow. And he said, no, neither <laughs> am I. I said, go get the tequila. I said, no, I'm going back again, actually. I'm, I'm fed up of sales. <laughs> Sat, then spent three weeks reading, at mm-hmm. which point you just said, if you could get paid for reading, this would be really great. And I Googled reading jobs, the rest, I did proofreading courses, editing courses, and as I say, the rest is sort of history. Um, eight years later, Creating Perfection, which is my little business name, um, I've edited over around 500 books with wow, various wow. authors. Um, predominantly indie authors, but I've worked with some publishers along the way um, as a freelancer. And here I, here I am. Expert expertise in crime fiction, but all genres, really. Um, I've worked on sci-fi, historical, romance, 
everything in between. Wow. Just, I've never had vampires in space yet, though. So I do I'll want make, I'll vampires make a note. in space. <laughs> I'll make a note. Vampires in space. There yes. <laughs> Wow, so there are 500 novels in eight years, Emma. Congratulations on your success. Just give us the name of that company again, the company you formed. Creating Perfection. Creating Perfection. Wow, that's that's a great success. And you have created perfection with Robert Enright. Oh. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's been a great team effort, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> you and his hairdresser. You've done a great job, the two of you. <laughs> Um, she's on next week she's on next week um right so let's get down through this emma yeah this is probably a good place to start if you don't mind um starting here for our readers and could you make it plainly obvious to all who are listening and what are the different types of editing processes authors can put their manuscripts through so there are four main steps that we follow during the editing process. We've got the developmental, the line, copy, and then proofread. Mm-hmm. And it's really quite simple. The developmental edits start basically at the, the big picture level. So we're looking at everything, the whole world elements. So everything from your structure, the plot, character development, um, and, and that's where that starts. Great. So that You're is, really... that's, that's what it says on the tin, developmental editing. You, yeah. as the editor, you are developing the story. You're, you're helping yeah. it come more to life. So that's a proper Making big job. Sh- yeah, definitely. You're looking at those, those the real big picture elements. So we're not looking at the little nitty gritty commas in the right places, typos. Mm. Yeah. At this stage, we're looking at why is that character doing what they're doing? How do they need to get from A to Z and what's going to happen in between? And does it make sense? So you're looking at all the elements that, that are involved in that part of the process at a developmental stage. Yeah. Um, so you're looking at your structure, characterization, viewpoint, narrative, tense, those, those elements. Right. Then... Then we move on to line and copy editing, which are quite similar, um, but we're looking at structure, sentence structure. That's where we start really getting down to the nitty gritty. So at this point, the plot, the characters, the pace, everything else should be dealt with by this point. So everything makes sense. There shouldn't be huge changes to the content in terms of the story. And those big world elements, we're looking at the real nitty gritty at this stage, um, making sure that that the few points of narratives consistent. We're looking at the tenses and making sure that they're consistent. Um, Sentence structure, pronouns, proper nouns, all that kind of thing. So the real, the syntax of it. Mm -hmm. Great. And then proofreading is the final one. Proofreading is the very final element, and that should come, which not many people do, but proofreading should come after formatting because the proofreader looks at everything ready for it to be printed. So by the time it gets to a proofreader, it should have gone through everything. Your proofreader should be looking to make sure it is ready to hit publish. Ah, so they're looking for consistency in hyphenation, they're looking at your spacing, your paragraphs uh, creation, sort of your chapter headings are all consistent, um, 
all, all those real sort of the little details, um, the typos, any that have slipped through the processes already. Um, yeah, so the proofreaders should be doing the very final, they're the very final people to look at your manuscript before you hit publish. Great. Very succinctly put, Emma. Thanks very much. And Good. does every book published by every author require all four of those editing processes? No, no not at all. Um, I would certainly say that the early stages of your writing career, um, get as many people looking at your manuscript as possible who know what they're doing. That, and that's the big yeah. That's a big thing there. Somebody who knows what they're looking at. Um, I'm working with a, an author at the moment who's had several friends and family members doing things with their manuscripts. And mm -hmm. at every point, somebody's changed something else. And this author's just got themselves into such a tease because they've got so many people who who are really good at grammar and somebody who's really good at formatting and somebody who's really good at spelling to have a look yeah. at it and somebody who really enjoys reading. And it's brilliant to use people who who can offer you some free help. Of course it is. You know, you're indie authors. It's, it's saving money is a, a, a big thing. But at the same time, it's, it's a waste of time if you're not getting somebody with a knowledge of the industry and what they're actually looking for and you're getting too many cooks and, and and ending up with with too much information that's incorrect you know so you yeah. definitely do need to be working with at least one professional um at, at one point and i i would recommend going if you're quite confident in your story and you've written your manuscript and you've written your story get some beta readers get beta readers at that point Get them to go through the plot and look at those big picture elements for you. I've got on my website a questionnaire that really helps with beta reading um, and, and how to find them and to make sure you're getting the best out of them because sending out beta readers with with no sort of structure on the feedback that you that you want you want or you need is pointless because you're just going to get lots and lots of information that's that you're not going to know whether to, to implement it or not. Um, mm. But using beta readers sort of after you've done your first draft will help you save money and help you look at those big picture elements yourself so that you can kind of cut out that developmental edit stage if you can and then move on to using an editor and paying a professional editor to do the copy and the line edit and, and deal with it that way. Brilliant. And just for the listeners, we, we will, um, Emma mentioned her website there. We will give you uh, that website at the end of the interview. Yeah, Robert. Ab absolutely. Um, and also I would, I would just echo on there that the, uh, one of the few things I, I think we've championed on this podcast, David, is there are things you can, they're, they're not corners you can cut, but there are places you can save money on. But yeah. editing isn't one of them because mm -hmm. it's, it's incredibly difficult to come back from bad reviews based on that side of the book yeah if people don't like really the story is. or people don't like a character that's fine because other people will but when it's a uh, i don't know shoddily written or too yeah. many mistakes those are the the areas that are tricky to come back from um yeah. and it's it's one of those things there i think that's how how you and i actually started working together is i think you read bermuda uh, my first Bermuda book, and I think you messaged me saying like, "There's so many mistakes in this." So you gave it a re-edit. Oh, really? I, 
I think it was doorways. I won a copy of doorways. Yeah. I actually found it when I've just recently moved house. So when I've moved my library from one house to the other, I found that copy of doorways. And I was like, oh gosh, this is the one that mm-hmm. I won it on your on your website on your Facebook competition. And yeah, I was I was just starting out and, and very. Um, confidently and cheekily just messaged and said, I really love this, but you do know that it's full of yeah. um, mishaps. Um, I'd really, really love to, to do it for you. Let me show you what I can do. And then, and, right, uh, it's history, isn't it? later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but I think that's, that, that's a really good point because it, it goes on to the, to, to the next point we wanted to talk about because you and I have, forged a really good working relationship over five years six years however long it's been now and for me so as an author for me it's it's really important to have that relationship with you now david i know you have a slightly different one because you use different editors for per trilogy yeah but for me as an author i know when i'm sending my book to emma after what you said like 12 books in now you know how i write you know yeah. uh, what my kind of pace is, uh, what my voice is. Not only that, you also know the characters' histories now because obviously I write yeah. in the series and you keep like a log. You send those sheets where you've written down information I about do. the characters. So you know if I'm writing anything that like betrays a character, um, things like that. And it also helps when you build this relationship that you give me messages in my manuscript like was it on the last one you were annoyed that someone didn't give sam a bacon sandwich or something after he'd been in a fight it really, pe- it really wound you up and you even wrote it in a comment saying oh, come on i can't believe she hasn't done that and then two pages later she does and you were like i'll shut my mouth or something like that like or you i'm you... leaving that old comment in for you so you can see how angry yeah. i was with you and, and you, you 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 put words in like someone horrible someone something horrible and you'll be you'll put in there saying i want this person to die and stuff like that because but what that does is it just it gives that personal touch of yeah you're getting the story you're getting where it's going so i can speak to our listeners about the benefits of that and how great that is as an author to have that reliable relationship which we have um but for, as an editor because obviously you can pick up books from authors you've never heard of you can get a new book yeah. in tomorrow from an author you haven't heard and you have to try and establish that relationship so yeah how is it having that sort of relationship with authors for you as an editor how, how does it's it affect imperative. your job it's absolutely imperative and if i don't get on with an author i won't work with them because mm-hmm. it's not going to work um not every manuscript and every editor are suitable for each other and not every author and editor are suitable for each other um again there is a little post on my website about how to find the right author for you and your manuscript um because those relationships have got to be so strong you are trusting me with your baby it's down to me that it's gonna be a success sort of thing so it's really quite um it's quite a big thing for an editor to take on a huge responsibility to take somebody's life's work for you know and and do what we've got to do to it because it's not all fun and nice comments it's quite a difficult job having to give that potentially negative constructive feedback and if you don't have a relationship with that author it's not going to work because they will never see it as you've been helped 
as be trying to be helping yeah. them. You know, yeah. they, they're not going to see it as that. They will never understand and appreciate if I say, let's have a look at this because I don't quite understand why this is happening. Let's, you know, this needs to change or anything like that. It just doesn't work. If you don't get on with your editor, it's the, the it's not it just ain't gonna work so building those relationships right from the off is so important and there are so many ways that you can do that you know emails calls on zooms things things like that and i insist on them for everybody before i work with them properly you know we get to really know each other mm-hmm. um and it's really it is really really important if you want to you need to start looking sorry not if you want to you need to start looking for an editor before you've finished your manuscript ideally um to start building that relationship to start don't one of the i know we're going to touch on it shortly but one of my biggest bugbears is somebody messaging me and saying right i need an editor next week <laughs> can you put me in next week well no typically an editor books up six to eight weeks in advance um, and we need that time to build and start getting to know each other so as soon as you can start looking to find an editor somebody who's going to be able to um to to work with you the way that you need to work together it's such a great point because although it's a two-way working relationship one person in this relationship is really a critique is a critic um Uh to the other person's art so it it, it, you either have to get on and you have to form a relationship otherwise the critique that you give emma to to a stubborn author who hasn't formed a relationship with you it it might even take that personally so it's it's such a key key tip to form a relationship with a good editor absolutely now if you don't mind us getting into the weeds here emma so Say I have chosen an editor um, and I'm ready to work with him or her. At, at what stage or at which stage would an author provide you with their manuscript? I'm assuming because this is how I work, that there is a heavy level of editing already done, that you, you don't want to receive a manuscript. I don't want to pay you for a developmental edit if you're going to be annoyed by bad grammar and punctuation and misspellings. There, there needs to be an element of that provided to you. Yes and no. So if people weren't bad at spelling, punctuation and grammar, I wouldn't have a job. So, you know, that's that's part of the job. It's part of the process. So um, that's not a problem. There's a there's a big thing that injured think that, that you know they've got to submit everything everything's got to be sent perfect it isn't it's it doesn't need to be um, I'm I'm quite I have quite a unique service and I'm quite different to a lot of the freelance editors in that once I've got a manuscript on my desk I will do everything I can with it whilst I've got it um, I know that some editors will quite literally ignore a typo if they're only doing a a developmental edit if that's what they've been paid for and then they will charge for a copy edit and then they will charge for a proofread yeah i try to do as much as i can with the manuscript because certainly working with indie authors it's i want them to get the best value for the money yeah um but don't worry too much about the, the typos and that kind of thing and and get it to a decent level obviously your first draft of everything is always rubbish um, yeah. everybody Thanks. says so don't yeah 
<laughs> well, no, you don't send your editor the first draft, right? No, no. Yeah. So you don't send him the first draft, but it doesn't have to be perfect. That's what we're expecting it to have mm. mishaps in it. We're not expecting a finished product. Um, and typically the authors who think they're sending a finished product are the ones that haven't at all, um, right. the, the, which moves on to the, the real bugbear thing that you'd mentioned is, is those egos that send <laughs> and say, oh, mine's perfect. I'm only doing this because I have to. Oh, um, right, yes. And then you start oh, going through the manuscript and you just think, oh, you really do have to. And, I, you know, you don't really want to work with people like that because yeah. they refuse point blank to, to accept that there's anything that needs changing, even the spelling mishaps. So... Well, Emma, um, what you said there, I think, echoes something I said last week, David, about get it wrong as quickly as you can, because people edit and edit and edit their work, thinking, like you said, they're trying to they're striving for perfection. When actually, I'm not expecting to send you the finished product. I'm no. expecting to get something nearer the finished product back from you, and that's what the editing process is about. Um, exactly. But you just mentioned a few bugbears there. I thought a different one would be your bugbear because I think I know what your biggest bugbear is. Um, what's that? Exposure. Oh, what yes. Oh, ex exposure as payment? <laughs> yes. Oh. So first off, please never ever offer an editor exposure as or a any professional. Any professional. Exactly. Any professional at all, because it's just so insulting and you don't have the exposure to give them at all. Payment for exposure. You know, they're going to tweet about my work to their 50,000 paid for followers and all those wow. 50,000 paid for followers are going to use my services within the next year. <laughs> Jesus. Last week, I got somebody went a little step further than the free exposure last week and was asked, but I'm a free, you're a freelancer. Yeah, I'm a freelancer. So surely that means you work for free. Madness. <laughs> Freelance does no not way. mean works for free, so no, it means I work for myself. But and it starts with the word free. <laughs> it's not, I'm serious, I'm genuinely. I don't get it. couldn't believe what it. With people? Um, it. Yeah, so we don't work for exposure. Nobody creative or in any industry works for exposure because, you know, that doesn't pay the bills. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and we, we don't work for free. <laughs> Now, we, we've been working with the indie author community and we've been ingrained in it, myself and Rob, over the past um, half a decade or probably even a bit more. Mm -hmm. And um, although we've been very lucky on the podcast, we've had some lovely, genuinely lovely uh, guests on who are independent authors. But you must come across some some strange characters in this world, Emma. Thanks again. <laughs> Rob being one of them, of course. Oh, yeah. very, some, some very strange characters. Yes. Rob being one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Or what is this thing of people uh, coming on the podcast and just digging me out? Because we love you. <laughs> yeah, there's um, definitely some some characters 
out there that perhaps shouldn't be in the industry. It certainly does seem that and this, this is a conversation I have with all my authors is um, whether they're writing the first book or the, t- the 12th, there is always something that needs an editor's eye. And I mentioned Rob practically to everybody that I start working with. Because they're like, oh, I'm really sorry, it's going to have this and I didn't know how to deal with that. And, and people get very apologetic about the state their manuscript is going to be in. Yeah. And as I said earlier, if it was perfect, I wouldn't have a job. So stop, stop apologising. Um, no manuscript is ever perfect by one person it's just impossible yeah and those strangest characters are the ones who come at you and think that they've genuinely written the next stephen king the next you know they're going to be the next neil gaiman and they genuinely believe they've got that it it does it goes past confidence with some people it's it's quite arrogant and i follow those people and make sure i see where it goes and they never make it right you know those people with that that mindset of i am absolutely the best at this i don't need any help whatsoever yeah and the ones that go on and and not and the ones that are sat there going oh my god i'm so rubbish at this tend to be the really brilliant ones who then go on and make it it's um it's quite interesting to watch yeah characters that's a a great observation yeah nice throne you have to watch uh, in the other community uh, (laughs) from so it's not just editing your your website Emma although you offer uh, professional um, top quality editing services you also like to help the in the author community don't you in terms of giving them some services and advice um, on your website so so give us that website so at the moment it is edmcreatingperfection.wordpress.com i did glitch with wordpress taking off my premium web doodly major so the little wordpress bit's being put back in oh, for okay. now brilliant oh, we'll sort well, that out yeah we, we'll send the link out to that um as we share the the podcast when it when it um publishes next week so you also offer advice on how to work with an editor or how to find editors the right one for you yeah i've got loads of loads of sort of blog posts on there offering loads of advice from spelling punctuation grammar tips little bits of editing housekeeping you can do yourself so little tips and tricks with keyboards um shortcuts and you know spellings for those awful words that the there, there's and there's, how to use them properly type things. Great. Um but I do editing, proofreading, formatting, um, helping with synopsis, words, nice. all thoughts on there. So. Oh brilliant. So lots of advice for all you in the authors lots out there. Of advice. Yes. So Emma, uh, before we do let you go, um I just want to say out to our listeners that um you and I have worked together for years now. Um, you have been an imperative part of my books, getting to where they've got to. Um, you are easily one of the most trusted people I have within my circle. Um, so as a personal reference, if people are looking for support or help or an editor or anything along those lines, I would definitely say get in touch with you because I think without you, I would have struggled to get my books where they are now. Thank you, darling. It's been an honour working with you. There we go. It's so great watching you 
go from where you were to where you are now and seeing that message when you sent me saying I've just handed my notice in it was just like years of that tagging it was I was just so proud felt like one of my children <laughs> nice Oh, that's very sweet. And it, and again, it's been a real pleasure. Well, I feel like I should... I, I think I should leave the recording now, actually. Oh, don't be jealous, David. <laughs> Emma, <laughs> it's been wonderful. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you, Emma. We'll speak soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Two And now, David, it's time to jump into the mailbag. Love this. Okay. Um, And this week, um, we will be answering a question from Jonathan Warwick, who very kindly sent in a question. So thank you, Jonathan. It's always appreciated. Mm -hmm. Um, And his question, David, is, Hi, guys. I'm playing around with Amazon attribution links after being told they would be a game changer, but I'm not really getting anything from the data. What has your experience been like with these links and are they going to be a game changer? Really good question. Uh, a prominent mm. discussion in the in the auto community at the moment, Jonathan. I think we discussed this on the show last week, Robert. Did we briefly? I think we, we spoke about Dylan, this? didn't we? Dylan mentioned it, yes. In fact, mm. yeah, I think Dylan made the point that um, I'd like to make now to Jonathan, which is... Are they a game changer? They could be a game changer, but um, they're they're not going to smack you in the face with great data. So I've been playing around with these over the last two to three weeks, Robert. I think you have as well. Have you a little bit? Yes, I have. And um, I don't think we've spoken about this face-to-face, you and I, Robert, but I, I seem to be getting data that suggests the Amazon attribution links are showing me maybe about 25 to 30% of the actual sales that I'm getting. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's hard to measure data when you're not getting all of the data. But why Amazon attribution links are useful to me, and I think this is what Dylan brushed on last week when he was a guest on the show, is that they allow me to measure my own ads. Mm. So if I'm running six ads to a certain book, um, when I go into the Amazon attribution data, it will tell me that, oh, this ad sold 15 today. This ad only sold four today. And I know, oh, well, ad A is working a lot better than ad B. So I, I, I can tell where I can sort of tune up my spend and where I need to turn down my spend. So although it's not a game changer and it's not leading to anything um, groundbreaking in terms of improving sales it's just allowing me to gauge my advertising and my different ads um with a bit more specificity is that the same experience you're having rob yeah i think you've you've slammed that nail right on the head with your amazon attribution hammer um so i'm i'm still very skeptical about it mm-hmm. so i spent you know, a decade before becoming a full-time author, prominently as a data analyst um, for quite a few companies. And so I dealt with data and I'm, I'm fully aware, you know, if, you, if you're not getting a full spread of data, it's hard to make a decision. Yeah. So if I was to look at Amazon attribution links, what it's telling me right now is I shouldn't be spending as much on Facebook ads at all. Mm-hmm. really i should scrap them 
because they're coming in for such a small amount of my sales according to the Amazon attribution links. Now, the reason I don't believe that at all is about 18 months ago, I when I I think when I started on the okay these ad, these ads are ticking now they're starting to double their ad spend I turned them off for about five months while I rebranded the book because I kind of felt like okay I now have to do this I need my books to look better I'm going to do this properly yeah and when I turned so all my ads go to the night shift when I turned those ads off the only sales I was really getting were read through. Right. Books two, three, four, and five. I wasn't getting many to the night shift. So that meant there was no real, yeah, there was no real organic sales. Yeah. But my Amazon attribution links are saying to me, well, most of your sales are coming from elsewhere. Yeah. And I know they're not mostly coming from Amazon ads, and they're the only two advertising platforms I use. Yeah. So I think there's scope for them to improve Amazon attribution links. I think what you're saying is correct, that it allows you to look at what ad seems to be getting more sales. But at the same time, I'm sceptical about the accuracy that I'm getting. And I think unless I'm getting fully accurate data, it's hard for me to make a truly meaningful decision. Yeah. So I think you should stick with them, but I, I wouldn't say that they're gospel. Yeah. They're not gospel. They are only attributing to maybe a quarter of the sales. But I, I think this is probably worth saying to Jonathan and our listeners as well, is that although um, potential readers are clicking into the links in our ads, um, they may not decide to buy initially, and they may come back mm-hmm. two or three days later or take note of it, because on certain iPhones and certain smartphones, you actually can't buy eBooks mm-hmm. direct from the link or direct from the, uh, you have to go, go into the Amazon app, I think. No, the Amazon app doesn't allow you to buy books. Um, you have to go through... You have to go on the Kindle app, don't you, on Apple phones? Yeah, and stuff it's like slightly that. complicated. So your your ads might be working for you, even if they're not working imminently. So somebody mightn't buy from the direct link the first time they, they stab at your link or they press at it, but they may two or three days down the line buy the book. So it's building brand awareness as well for yourself and for your books. Um, and if they do that, they click into the link in your ad. They don't buy there and then. They don't buy till two or three days later. That's not going to show up in your Amazon attribution link. So use them at the moment. Our advice, Robert and mine, uh, would be to use them to compare your ads, but don't use them as gospel in terms of I'm only selling this amount of books from the ads because um, I don't think that would be the case at all. So it's now time for our seven questions, David, your favorite part of the show, is indeed. as everyone knows. And obviously each week we interview a fellow indie author and post to them the same seven questions with the aim of extracting knowledge from their brains and to hear another perspective on the world of self-publishing. Now this week we are joined by crime thriller writer Stephanie Rogers. Stephanie, hello. How are you? Hello. Hi. Hi, guys. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, so yeah, thank you very much for joining us, Stephanie. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? I would. I am Stephanie Rogers. I mainly write psychological thrillers. Um, do you want a bit of my backstory? Absolutely. Yeah, um, I'll be as quick as I can. <laughs> I'm kind of a old but new writer. As right, in, okay. I've been writing since 2010. 
but I only put my first um, books up for publication on Amazon in December. Oh, right. So oh, just I'm gone? Writing... Yes, just gone, yeah. Ah. yeah. So I've been writing for an awful long time um, with a bit of a roundabout way of getting there. I did a creative writing course in 2010 because mm-hmm. I um, I was a drummer and a saxoph- saxophonist. Nice. Oh, cool. And the band was finishing and I didn't want to do it anymore. Right. So it just seemed natural. I never made any plans, but writing just kind of evolved to fill the space that music left behind. Right. So I did a creative writing course, like a lot of people, um, did some practice novels, which were not very good, to be honest. And like lots of people also, I was submitting for probably about two to three years to agents and publishers without getting anywhere. And then I got on with a um, a small new indie publisher, signed up for two books, and didn't really like it, didn't really work out. Um, but it did give me the validation that I was after. Looking yeah. back, I can see that that's what I wanted. Yeah. So I took my books back. By this time, it was 2010, the pandemic was here. So I've just basically spent that time from then till now learning everything about indie publishing as a business. Oh, wow. So I've done, if there's a course or a webinar, it's probably I've done it. Right. I didn't want want to publish until I was ready. Right, yeah. And I didn't want to put a book on Amazon and that's all. I had one book. I wanted at least four, preferably six. Yeah. So that's the stage I'm at now. As I started to sell things from December and I've Mm -hmm. got a trilogy out, psychological thriller trilogy. Yes. About a webcam hacker. Oh, wow. They look fascinating, your books. Thank you. And um, I'm planning another trilogy as a spin-off from that, which will have some of the lesser characters in it. Then I can use a series link because yes. it will be, yeah. So nice. I've got a standalone and two more that I would like to publish this year that I finished. So that'll take me up to my six. Oh, Fantastic. great. So full of plans, manuscripts in the gun. And yes, you only you only um, published your first about seven weeks ago, I make it. I did, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, so two years with a, or two books with a publishing company, 10 years then learning how to yes. self-publish and now the last seven weeks self-publishing. I'm Just, doing it. <laughs> congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, Many congrats. congratulations. This is going to be a fascinating um, next 20 minutes for our listeners. So shall we get to the seven questions, Stephanie? Yes, absolutely, yeah. Let's okay, David, Robert. Go, am I going, going first, first this oh, week? Okay. Go well, the first question is: I guess this might be premature, but it's it's it, it perhaps isn't. Are you a full time author? I am not a full time author. I've spent my entire life, um, apart from being a musician, being a dog groomer, and I still oh, nice. do that. So I still have my own dog grooming business, but it's very much part time. Yes. So I mainly um, use the funds from that to fund this. My income from that funds this. Brilliant. So I do have quite a lot of free time as a part-time worker now to to do my writing thing. Yeah, you're so, in control of your time. <laughs> yes. Nice. So you have that independence, which which you can then give those arrows over to your writing and and marketing or whatever else is required in the in the yes. author game. Yeah, and because I've been um, self-employed all my life, I'm good at it. Yes, it's all I've known. So I'm good at planning my time, prioritizing, creating deadlines if I want to. Um, and I am quite motivated 
because it's for me. <laughs> it's not for a boss, is it? It's just for me. And really, that's all I've known. So I think it's kind of a natural progression, really. I think I think you'll be nice. full-time author soon enough, Stephanie. Well, I when I've retired from dog grooming, I don't intend to retire from writing because I'm yeah. in my fifties now. So I just, as long as the brain holds up, I will keep doing it. <laughs> That's it with writing. That's my plan: is to not retire. <laughs> yeah, there is no retirement age in writing. Uh, no, I've had no. this conversation a few times. Have you? Yeah, well, it's yeah. true. I mean, you know, when I'm on my round-the-world cruises. I just yes. need my laptop. I can write from anywhere. That's that's the, that's the argument I'm, I'm nice. fighting for anyway. Yes. I've actually done that. I've actually Have written. You? Yeah, I went on a cruise for my honeymoon, and uh, I remember you worked on you your honeymoon. Through... You were right. I, I wasn't full time at the time, so I had to get time whenever I could. Yeah, get so, the oh, I'm not having so any of that. Went... Soph went to well Soph was pregnant at the time so we didn't have like a booze cruise and I can't remember right. like a lay down and so she had like a couple of hours kip and right. uh, I had my laptop with me so I just went and sat out on the bay got a drink and sat down and wrote a chapter it was nice okay yeah. happy honeymoon <laughs> she's asleep and you're right yeah. brilliant I thought you know Robert I, I would have been doing the same thing I've been there saying you, you look really tired honey why don't you take a nap yeah why, why don't you go off to bed um um well, we'll move on to question two, uh, Stephanie, and that Swiftly. is, are you, yes, <laughs> are you wide or exclusive? I am exclusive, mm-hmm. um, mainly because I think it's, well, it started out, it, it's all I can cope with for now because my head's a bit fried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think if you're going to be wide, I have put books on draft digital and I've just left them there. So unless you've got time and the energy to learn all the other retailers, which I haven't, you might as well just be exclusive. Mm-hmm. And I've been amazed at how much my income's been coming from KU. Yeah, I think your genre oh. will be one that laps up KU. Well, yeah. Um, I did some research and it seemed to be 60% not KU, but I thought, well, I'm going to go for it anyway. Um, because there's a new feature on Publisher Rocket where it tells you the mix of KU and not pay you for your genre right i thought well i'm doing it anyway and i've been amazed it's Mm. it's been as high as 80 plus percent oh wow oh wow so i don't want to give that up at all no i'm I'm exclusive and i'm probably going to stay that way at least for the foreseeable future anyway yeah brilliant well uh, yeah there is a great argument to be had there's some mega successful um in the authors in and out of KU. So it's, it's, it, I think it'll be a debate for as long as Amazon are looking for those subscribers. Um, so question three, Stephanie, is name the one service you use as an indie author you cannot do without. If I could skip a question, it would be this. This is no skips. a really hard question. Yeah. Um, I've got three. Am I allowed three? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, but, you have, one, but you have to name one. Name one. The na- the one I'm going to name mainly is the internet. Because right. without it, I'd have nothing. Yes. yes on. Everything from your research to putting your books up there, having your mailing list, doing online courses. If you took the internet away from me, I'd have nothing. Yeah. The fact that KDP even exists yes. is because of the internet. So a lot yeah. of these independent businesses that run now just couldn't run without the connection between us and consumer. So I know it's an obvious answer, but don't overlook the obvious, um, because without it, there'd be nothing. 
I okay. also want to brush. If you took that away, I'd cry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, go on, briefly um, brush over, book brush for me, because I'm not sure I'm totally aware of that one. Of book brush? Yeah. You don't know book brush? No, I don't think so. All oh, oh. right, it's like um, it's like Canva, oh, but my. I think it's a bit better than Canva. I think it was designed, it was designed by it's authors. Every- Yes, it's everything. You can do everything on there because I like to. I like autonomy. I'm a control freak. I like to do everything. Yeah. So for, you can do covers to add add images, email headers, everything on there. And there is a free plan. Oh, um, interesting. There's, there's three. There's two paid plans and a free plan. And I quickly moved from the um, free plan to the paid plan. It's where lots of you know um, in the. In ad images, you've got mock-ups of books on. Um, it's like a picture of a box set or, yeah. um, or, or somebody Kindle. holding an e-reader. It's all on there, and it's so easy. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so that, that's where a lot of authors are getting their advertising images now. Then I guess is it with these? Yeah, yeah. You can get. You can do any size um, ad image, whether it's Insta, um, Twitter. Wow. Uh, They've got all the preset sizes, and you just put your image in and tweak it a bit. You can have text boxes so easily. Oh, Make yeah. your own cover. I've just done my own paperback covers on there. Nice. Well, there you go. There's my something new learned today. Ah, well, yeah. Add, add on to that because I, I use Book Brush um, as well um, on the pay plan. So you have the thing where you can grab a template or with no background of like an e-reader yes. or book. And you can put your cover on it cover and it just it. does it like that. And you can also, it's got all the logos of the retailers. So you can yeah, add you those can on and things. There you go. You're seven weeks in the game and I'm nearly six years. And then you just taught me something in two seconds. There you go. Oh, that, I, that's... I thought everybody knew about book brush. <laughs> Everyone is anyone. Huh? I'm too busy watching Netflix. It's <laughs> the truth. Well, it's, if you go on book brush though, You'll go down the rabbit hole. You'll lose days. <laughs> well, I am about to jump into that hole right now When as soon as we're, fin- we're finished this podcast. But, you can uh, do on the paid versions as well. You can do animated book trailers and things. And there's all sorts of different templates for Christmas, Halloween, Easter, all the holidays, Black Friday sales. Oh, and right. It's so easy. It's like Canva. It's just drag and drop. Yeah, I'm mm. going gonna, gonna to jump into that now. I'll have so, a look at that. It's really good. I'll tell you yeah, what. Yeah, and there's a book. There's also a book which... I know it's not a service, but this book was a game changer for me. And it's the book about editing. And I, I'm not, obviously, I'm not getting paid to promote this book at all. But if it can help anybody, it's a book called On Editing. And it's by Helen Corner Bryant, who's got the, oh, um, yeah. the Cornerstones Literary Consultancy. Right. And if you read this book on editing and you apply it when you write your first draft, there's, there's not that much editing left to do because you're not writing errors in. It's just, it was amazing, this book called On Editing. I oh. think it's a play on Stephen King's On Writing. On Writing, yeah. I think yeah. I have heard of it. I think it's been served to me on, on, on Amazon, yeah. So cool. I absolutely love this book. I read it from cover to cover several times. And if you like writing, it's just enjoyable book to read. Interesting. Okay. It's really good, yeah. Okay. Internet, book brush, and on editing. On editing. Yes, they're my they're my one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, speaking of, we, we, you uh, mentioned book brush and trailers, and I'll use that as a segue into question number four, which is, as you've only been doing it for seven weeks, I'm very interested to know how you've gone about marketing your books. Yeah. So. Um, I put them up in December, and I did two bargain boxes in December. Okay. 
I couldn't get anything more than that until January. So the weekend before last, this is how uh, new it is. I did a Hello Books and a free booksy, and I, I've got a small email list, and I, I emailed those, and that was two weeks ago now. Um, to the first, I sent the first book in the trilogy for free. Mm-hmm. I got loads of downloads from the free books. It was great. I mean, people like free books. Who knew? <laughs> yeah. So I did it specifically because I want the data for my read through. I want mm-hmm. to know how many people have got book yeah. one, read book two, and then read book three. I've got some Amazon ads running, which I'm trying to get the data from that. Great. And yesterday, I signed up for um, Mark Dawson's Ad for Authors course. So I've just started ah. doing that. Yeah, it's very in-depth. Yeah, I've, I've heard, have you, am I right in thinking you two have both done that? Yeah, both done it. Yeah, we have. I've I think heard it, nothing but good things. Yeah, it's just a good companion yeah. to have through the journey. Yeah. If you spend whatever uh, amount of money you spend on it, uh, the big benefit for me is that it's always in your corner, so you'll have it there forever. And if you think I need to brush back on Amazon ads, it's there yes. for you or something like that. So it's it's worthy. I, I mean, Robert and I are out and saying. Um, you got to speculate to accumulate in this yes. game. And I just think doing courses as you have spent probably the goal for the last 10 years doing. Well, the last three years, yeah. In, investing in your knowledge, it's, it's, it is kind of key. It sounds a bit like a mountain to climb when you're talking to people starting off. But and, you and just learn as you go. Why would you pay to give a free book away? And you think, well, you're missing the point. Yeah, That's exactly. That's not the point, is it? Yeah. So I started this course, I'm on the Facebook ads, mm-hmm. which is... I've I've got the I've got it all set up. I've not run any ads yet, but I know kind of what I need to do. But Great. it was the cost mainly that that I balked at for two years, and I thought I'm I'm probably going to do this course at some stage. Yeah, now I'll do it now. And then yeah, <laughs> the day before yesterday, I just kind of thought, well, because I'm a dog groomer, I I equate everything in dogs' haircuts. So I thought yeah. if I do the twelve month plan. I have to cut two and a half dogs to pay for the monthly instalment. It's a no-brainer. Yeah. So okay. a month is two and a half dogs' haircuts in my language. <laughs> right, yes, yeah. Good well, point, funny enough, I I hesitated and hesitated over doing the Mark Dawson course courses. Mm-hmm. And in retrospect, I was, I was, I think it was 299. It was cheaper when I did it about five or six years ago. Yeah. I just... Yeah. It's just such a no-brainer, really. It's certainly mm-hmm. in retrospect. Um, I wish it was two hundred ninety-nine now because you get all the updates for life, don't you? Anything? Yeah, exactly. Anything so he's added to that since he's added Twitter ads and. But I think the um, TikTok TikTok, yeah. I think I think the ads one is more expensive than the launch pad, which used to be one hundred one. Yes, when, no, I, yeah. when I signed up for one hundred one four years ago, maybe five years this year, it was like four four hundred. 450 something like that yeah. yeah made it back off the books within two months well, as mad that's what i'm hoping to do yeah the first one i did i got um 11 pounds udemy course um on self-publishing and it led me to all everything it led me in the direction of all the right people what i considered to be the right people like mark dawson yeah mm-hmm. and from that i ended up doing nick stevenson's your first 10k readers i did that course which is very similar to 101 wow so it was always a matter of time that I did this course. And so yeah. now's the time. And one mm-hmm. day you'll be on the seven questions on the two in the authors podcast. You'll be flying. And one day I shall be <laughs> doing that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brilliant. So it's been an interesting seven weeks so far, Let's, uh, uh, which probably marks question five a little bit redundant, but I think you, you'll be able to provide a good answer for our listeners. Um, you can go far, as far back as you need to. Um, but what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset, even if you go back the 10 years that you, you got your first publishing deal? I'm going to go back, um, well, I think I got the first publishing deal in 2017, and I'm going to go back another three years before that, and I'm going to say yeah. I wish I'd known not to bother subbing to agents and publishers, yeah. so you spent knocking maybe, on the doors of you the You spent the good of three years doing that? Yeah, I've got, yeah. A, I've got a nice long word table that runs probably three or four pages to show for that. <laughs> I know, it's just... If you, uh, yeah. And it's demoralising, and yeah, I would like to say that, yeah, yeah, however many enough. rejections you get just because you get rejected it doesn't mean you aren't any good exactly. no, absolutely it's not really, it's really hard to get into that mindset because it, it is gutting no when, when I was teaching creative writing um, we had a calculation in one of the textbooks and it was like point, your chances of getting a deal are 0.4% so it, it, it's nothing to do really with your writing and the thing about these gatekeepers is these agents, they're looking for something specific. They know that, oh, I can't wait for the next YA, Hunger Games type thing. That's what they're waiting for. So if you provide them with a great uh, romance novel or crime thriller, it's not what they're looking for. It's not what they're looking yeah. for. And so it doesn't it, mean it's not good and you're not good. Absolutely not. It, it genuinely doesn't. Mm. It doesn't So that's what I wish I'd known. Don't bother. Leapfrog all those three years and just do what I'm doing 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but brilliant. But at least you know, you know, it's it's driven you to go down the indie route, and now you're now you're flying. So, um, well, maybe that number we'll move that into question number six then. And like David said, because it's uh, probably a relatively new experience being a, a self-published author. What's your biggest frustration as an indie author? My biggest frustration is um, when you can't get an answer to a question because there's nobody there. You're not, when you're doing courses, there's not a teacher in the room. Yeah. You don't stick your hand up and you say, please, can you tell me why this isn't working? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my biggest frustration is waiting to get answers. And the Facebook groups will take you so far. Yeah. I've asked questions in Facebook groups and never got an answer. Sometimes yeah. I feel like inadvertently you've started World War Three, and you still mm-hmm. haven't got your answer. You can email support and it might take them a week to get back to you. Yeah, and, you, and I want an answer now. I'm stuck now. Yeah, well, I guess that the independence and independence author should be sort of bolded and highlighted and italicized. It is an independent business, um, and I guess that's why there are Facebook groups and why we set up this podcast is to sort of seek community help or help within mm. a community and groups of people Stephanie so um, don't feel as if you're bothering people with the, the Facebook posts I very often still post in these groups um, to, to get answers to trivial questions uh, that I might need answered in the short term so um, do stick with it and I guess it's in all walks of life Stephanie that um, you're we're hitting robots aren't we when we're communicating so it's that's that that it that does go around um all the other sectors as well as this business i think it's the tech side as well because i mean i've got two grown-up sons and husband who all work in it and what do i do i cut dog's hair and i bang drums so it it's a a big learning curve it's been a massive learning curve and i don't want to always run to them 
I want to do it myself. Yeah. And and I but I do sometimes I need an answer now. I mean I'm I'm stuck on a mailer like problem now. I don't know if you guys use mailer like, do you? We do. do. We both, yeah, we both use mailer like. Can I ask you ask you a quick question? Yeah, we're not recording or anything. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. <laughs> my question is, in MailerLite, I want to ask my um, mailing list in a newsletter, anybody who wants to be a beta reader or join my street team, click this to join this group. And I've looked, I can't find, I can find a video that tells me the automation. This is like what happens when they've clicked it. But the only thing I can find to put in the actual newsletter is a is a link for a URL, and I don't know how to put the group, how to click into this. In, into I don't know. I just do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, Robert's going to answer that because I have no clue. Ah, Robert, find it on on anything. So, so what you can do? So what I have on mine is I actually have um, people just respond to the email. I say if you want to join my brain trust. Um, right, I thought it, about that. Yeah. Uh, just reply to this email and let me know. And then what I do is I then manually put I don't those know people to do it. copy uh, and paste each email. I just email put in. the email address into a separate group called um, the beta readers. Um, there are some technical things you can do, like you can use like segmenting. So you could yeah. um, go if someone clicks this link, they can be put in this segment, and you can have that segment as beta readers. But then you're starting to go down quite a technical rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, and I would say the cleanest and easiest way, uh, like just to like manage expectations. You know, I, I, I don't, I've sold quite a lot. I've got quite a big mail in this, but I don't get inundated with requests to become beta readers. So <clears throat> if you're worried that you're going to have to do hundreds and hundreds of emails, um, I think you can no, probably... No, I'm, I'm not. I just thought it it's kind of easier if they just... Click a link that puts them in the group because if they hit reply to the email, they're gonna to have to type out, "Oh, I'd love to join you." Well, yeah, you can you can put a button there that um uh or like a poll or something like that, that says, "Would you like to be a beta reader?" Yes or no, and then if they click yes, you can get the stats of who's clicked yes, and then you can move them manually into it. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to look further into it. Yeah, yeah you could also do a create another landing page, but again, it's just going to be more efforts for them for the people that want to yes. sign up mm-hmm. and you want to make that as uh, minimal as I possible yeah see if you, i think robert's last point there of creating a button that just lets you know who clicked what button and then you can manually move your um those email addresses over make it as right. make it as minimal uh, uh, mm-hmm. for the the customer as possible yeah thank mm-hmm. you i shall have a look at that thank you not at all no problem it brings us to question seven uh your final question you've done a great job um what's the one piece of advice of all you've learned now um the centuries given your sort of vast experience in terms of different types of experience what's the one piece of advice you'd pass on to our listeners well obviously it ties into the massively long time frame and that would be spend the time learning the craft that is writing mm-hmm. yeah um don't rush it because if you if you rush it you put a book up and it's rubbish and it's misspellings and the grammar's poor the plotting is bad the structure's bad you can't get rid of those bad reviews so just yeah. take the time as it'll take as long as it takes and just enjoy the process 
of learning to write because it's fun it's enjoyable i think that's a great tip enjoy the process i think mm-hmm. i i fell out of love with the process uh, last year I've, I've shared on this podcast that i think that's a really really valid piece of advice thank mm-hmm. you i just like everything there's there isn't anything i don't like i like writing the story i like editing it i like formatting it i like doing the graphics book covers and i'm going to like marketing <laughs> yeah when i get into it because i'm once you get be doing. once you get marketing ticking and it starts returning money and you start realizing these are the little things i need to do to kind of turn that heat up marketing becomes really fun because yeah. you get to a point where you think like oh and then you just like double a budget and then suddenly you start yeah. doubling an income because you've got that ad that works but again yeah. like i said it takes time to learn that you have to go through the pain of ads failing or you know, making testing, sure yeah. you're yeah test 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 as david says all the time um yeah. but you, you know you've got to take those losses and learn why they didn't work and that whole process if you're wired definitely like how i am I, i'm so inquisitive if i run something it doesn't work and i'm like okay, i need to know why that didn't work so it's a good process to learn and i think yeah you will love it once you get into the uh into the mud of marketing well stephanie it would be brilliant uh to get you back on in about a year's time to see how you've uh, continued on with your uh journey and i guess the last thing really to do is to say thank you so much for joining us today Yes, I'd love to come back on in a year and we can all see what I've done. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. I've loved it. And I I just want to say thanks, David and Robert, just for the opportunity for me to come on the podcast. But a big thank you to you guys for doing the podcast because for people like me, it's invaluable. I love listening to it every week. I learn so much from yourselves and your guests. And I think probably for... All the people that get in touch with you, there's probably scores more that are lurkers and silent listeners in the background. And I've been a silent lurker and a listener for many years to all sorts of things. So you probably, they're learning a lot too, even if you never get to find out that. So thank you. Thanks for what you do for us. It's brilliant. Well, thank you. That's incredibly kind of you to say. And we just, we hope, like you said, people do get value from um, the episodes that we put out. That's why we wanted to do it. Yeah, sure they do. That's very kind of you. Um, Thank you once again and all the best. Thank you. All the best. Bye. Another seven questions. Another great guest, Robert. More fantastic tips uh, for all our listeners. Same seven questions. Different answers every week. I know. It's, It's... a an ingenious concept you've created there david well we created it together well we came up with the questions together but i think it was your 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 brainchild of doing that um probably from your days as a uh, a journalist yeah I however just... i thought stephanie i thought stephanie was brilliant I, again another tremendous person operating in this in this in the author community yeah and I, I just thought she was a delight to talk to. She was indeed. And we hope some of you will also turn out to be a delight to talk to. If you are interested in appearing as a seven questions guest, please do visit our Facebook page. There is a link at the top of that that Robert has put there. Um, it's yes. a Microsoft Excel sheet where you can just fill in your name and a link to your books. Um, we will then reach out to you and invite you onto the podcast to appear on our seven questions.
it's it's a form that populates a sheet for us. Oh, is that so what it they'll is? be you see. they'll be filling out a form. Yeah, I'm the techie one. Come on, Rob. Rob <laughs> brings the nerdiness. I just bring the looks to this podcast, which is a shame because <laughs> it's not on video. <laughs> oh dear, David. Yes. Another episode. Another wonderful time spent within your company. You what too, will you my be friend. doing? What will you be doing before um, I see you again? I am going to continue writing the sequel novella to Betsy over the next uh, week or so. We are also, mm-hmm. as you know, uh, running some ads for the first time to this podcast. So I'm checking mm-hmm. on those, seeing how they're doing. It's a different ball game for us to be um, aiming our ads at writers instead of readers. And um, we're trying to work out whether we can get that right or not. The targeting is is slightly askew. It's not mm. as specific, say, if, as if we were you know advertising to Stephen King readers which is is easy to do so I'm going to concentrate on that over the next week along with my Betsy sequel and I also have my America trilogy coming out as the box set um, on February 14th so be leading up to the release and the launch of that Uh, what about you Rob um, I will be predominantly writing, I think. I've got a deadline in place and I I feel like if I can power through the next few place setting chapters, yeah. I've got some big plans for some big exciting scenes in this book. So I'm kinda of keen to get on them. Great. So your um, your lump is your first act really, is it? Is that your slog? And once you get into the second act where the action is beginning, you're you're on the flow yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I kinda of hit the the action hero tropes, I think, a bit. But that's it. We watch most action films. Say like John Wick, if you've seen that, it doesn't start a million miles an hour, but yes. once it kicks off it stays at a nice sort of a pace. So I kind of hit that. Um apart from that it's obviously Thursday that we're doing this podcast. It's actually my daughter's birthday today. Um, ah. She is three. Three. The terrible yeah, trees. Mad. Um, we didn't three f- we, we didn't feel that at all, that the trees were that terrible. It's It was more when Lola got six and seven and started answering back. That, oh, really? That, yeah, there's a bit of an issue. But yeah. I just um, sound like a soppy dad, but I love, love, love the age, love this age. Three, four, um, five, 50, six. Fifty. You're, you're only fifty-fifty on that. She's she's either the most incredible child in the world, or she's an absolute terror. But yes. She's a good kid. Um, we obviously went to Disneyland the other week for her birthday, but we've got a few family things this weekend. And just for all of our listeners, next Wednesday. So by the time you see me again, David, mm-hmm. by the time people will hear our next episode, it will be my birthday. Oh. Um, Yes, so if people want to buy me a coffee or send me money or gifts, that's always welcome. Or even just send in a question for our mailbag. Yeah, that'll do. A question about birthdays. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Well, well, happy birthday. I shall text you on the day and I'll be talking to you when you're that age plus one day uh, mm-hmm. because that'll be our next podcast. So cel- celebrate all those birthdays in the Enright house and um, have a lovely week and I will see you next Thursday. See you later.